0: everyone and welcome to the climb to a podcast where we talk about all things affecting the latinx community so it's been a while it's been a couple of months since i have posted an episode and that hasn't necessarily been by accident Um, this year has really been the first year that i've ever had to deal with grief Um, a couple of months ago i i suffered from a miscarriage and then um, a couple of weeks ago my grandmother passed away and so just for context i'm 23 turning 24 this year and i've never had to deal with uh, losing a loved one so um I mean, I had an uncle pass away when I was two years old, but one, I was too young to remember it, and two, I think I was too young to fully understand the context of everything that was going on, so this year has really been my first experience in dealing with the the loss of a loved one, So, um, which is why I have been absent from recording anything. um, So this episode will be focusing on that just in terms of my miscarriage journey and grief and how that intersects with mental illnesses. And so if those topics are too difficult for you to listen to. This is kind of a trigger warning or if you need to kind of pause and you know take some time for yourself obviously please do so. I know that these conversations can be very hard to listen to especially if you're one of those people that are suffering in silence. Um, I couldn't completely understand if this just brings too many emotions. I know this is going to be just very hard for me to to record but I also know it's essential to my healing process and also it can help other people who uh, are like I said suffering in silence and just to kind of show show them that they're not alone Mm -hmm. in this very difficult and heartbreaking process that is grief Um, particularly from miscarriage or from losing a grandparent. So um, thank you for joining me and let's go ahead and get started. So where do I even begin? I guess we can start with end of January, early February, uh, my husband and I had just transitioned into a different type of birth control. And um, I remember we were at my dog's dog park and one of the nice things about the dog park is they have alcohol there so definitely something that I enjoyed uh, early on and my husband was kind of looking at me and saying you know you've been drinking and all of that and, and I don't think you're pregnant but just in case you are you know you might try to consider taking a test because you just never know and it got me to thinking I was like yeah you know what yeah you know just to be safe I'd rather be safe than sorry um, but fully expecting the test to be negative. And also for context around this time, um, my brother-in-law was expecting a baby, as was my brother, um, both with pregnant significant others. So I went to Target to just kind of look around at the the baby section and something in me just kind of felt like, this maternal instinct had kicked in in an in an odd way where it never had before. I have always loved babies have always loved kids, but this just felt a little bit different where it 's almost like something within me was telling me, "Oh, you know what, I think you actually might be pregnant, but at the same time, you know that 's just so unlikely i don 't think it's going to happen, but you also kind of feel like you do you know just this very weird feeling and i remember buying these little booties that had little hearts on them just in case for whatever reason it was positive that i would have you know these little booties to to use as a pregnancy announcement to my husband and so i get home it's around 9:10 p.m. by the time i go into the bathroom to take the test again fully expecting it to be negative and I'm sitting there and I look at the test and it says positive. And my whole body just goes numb in, in complete disbelief. I was just like, what? Like, there is no way, there's no way this is happening. Not, not saying that I was mad at the situation more than anything. I was just really surprised and scared because this wasn't something I was planning on. I had just started a brand new job that I was really really enjoying and my husband and I had plans of traveling for a couple other years. I wanted to get my master's degree or law degree. So this was just very um, for lack of better words inconvenient time what I was thinking at the time. And I was like, there's no way. So I get out another test positive. And I didn't know what to do. I was just kind of mentally freaking out. So uh, I just grab the tests, I go into my home office and I message my sister in law and I'm like, Hey, you know, I I'm pregnant. Like these tests are coming out positive, test after test are coming out positive and I just can't believe it. What do I do now? You know, what what are the next steps after you get a a positive pregnancy test? Like, do I, who do I call for an appointment? It's like, just completely at a loss of what I was supposed to do. And she was extremely, extremely happy for me and was right there to guide me in the simple things of just like, uh, looking for an OBGYN, going to my physician first to just kind of get an overall check, and they'll also do a pregnancy test, you know, all of those beginning things that I just didn't know. She was so great and supportive and guiding me through that, and uh, just a huge relief, but I wasn't sure what to do in terms of telling my husband again, because this wasn't planned. I didn't think he would be mad, but I just, at the the same time, I don't know, in that moment, you're just in this fog of confusion and just astounded by what's happening that I was just like, you know what, I want to, I want to make this special. So I go ahead and I write a little letter to him from the baby, just saying, you know, I'm uh, I'll be due in in October um, of this year. You know, I'm so excited. I know I wasn't planned, but um, I'm just really excited to be here. And I know that you and my mom are ready to be parents, you know. Just a, a really cute letter for him. Um, the next day, he actually... Um, our dog Woody had a vet appointment and normally we go to those together if they're on Saturday mornings, but I just saw this as an opportunity to kind of surprise him with the announcement. So I said, I'm like, you know what? I'm not feeling the greatest. I think I might have the flu or something. Um, why don't you go ahead and take Woody to the appointment and I'll just lay here and rest. And after some budging, he finally does. And so while he's gone, I get the little booties, uh, the letter and I set it out for him and I, I start recording it cause I wanted to see his reaction. And I, I was just so scared <laughs> in that moment that I go and I hide in my office while he gets home And um, at first I was scared because I hear him say, uh, are you serious or seriously or something along those lines. And I thought it was his reaction to reading the letter, but he was actually reacting to something else. He hadn't even seen the letter yet. Um, And then the second that he actually sees the things on the table, he told me his first reaction was, thinking it was for one of the babies that was going to be born on either side and then just kind of realized like, oh, that doesn't make any sense because why would you just leave it on the table? So he goes over and reads it and then just realizes and comes over to find me and just hugs me and embraces me and also stuck in that same feeling where, uh, where I was of disbelief and shock and what do we do now? But also this feeling of, you know, this kind of just feels right. You know, we're, we're married. We've been married for a couple of years now. We have our cat and our dog and our house and we've both started our careers. You know, this, it just makes sense. You know, it's nothing, it's scary, but at the same time, this is the most ready we can be. You know, everything will be okay. And just fully embracing that moment and that lovely little surprise baby. And, immediately, you know, the reaction that we got was we want to tell our parents, you know, we want to tell our family members, um, but also kind of scared to do that because we do know that, you know, miscarriages are are fairly common. But that excitement just, like I said, just kicks in and you just want to shout it from your rooftop. And so we did tell our family members right away. I mean, I was only four weeks long and we went ahead and told them, Um, you know, my in-laws, my parents, our siblings, um, and even our grandparents, you're just very excited about this, this surprise baby and immediately, you know, start buying baby things. We were looking at cribs and changing tables and doing our research for a baby registry and getting registries and all of that stuff that comes with the planning for a baby and just fully, fully excited. And, um, Yeah, I just kind of got caught up in all of that and miscarriage is one of those things where you don't think it'll happen to you. You know, it's something that is very common, but it just happens to other people and never happens to you. So it was in the back of my head, but at the same time, I was fully convinced that it wouldn't happen to us just because this baby was such a little miracle worker of its own Um, that I was like, you know, this baby is going to make it through anything and everything. You know, this is is a crazy resilient baby, right? Um, so I try to make an OBGYN appointment and they won't see me until I'm at least, I think it was seven or eight weeks, something like that. So I basically had to go a whole other month and a couple of weeks before I could even see anyone because I, they were full and so they weren't going to be able to get me in until I think like the um 12th week of pregnancy like just really late on um so I just immediately started changing my diet you know changing my lifestyle completely cut caffeine off and just really really excited in terms of welcoming this baby especially when like I said both sides of the family are also expecting babies, you know, all the cousins are going to be around the same age, you know, only a couple months apart, you know, it just, it's, you get so caught up in that excitement. And, um, I wanted to see the baby before our first doctor's appointment. So we actually went ahead and got scheduled with a, um, just a local place that's, you know, does, um, ultrasounds where you can see the baby and they can actually test for the gender of the baby as early as eight weeks I believe is what it was six seven or eight weeks and so we immediately are like oh we should do like a gender reveal you know just like I said we were so caught up in that moment where even though it was crazy early on we wanted to celebrate this baby. You know, it didn't matter the gender, but we just, you know, wanted to know and wanted to celebrate that with our family and immediately start planning a gender reveal, have the dates, have the appointment at the ultrasound place and have the little um, lightsabers that are once pink and once blue, you know, like I just so caught up in all of that. And um, the day finally gets here and I'm just so excited again not thinking nothing is wrong um we had a doppler at home where i i would scan myself and check for the heartbeat and i had found the heartbeat about a week prior and we had been listening to the heartbeat and i was just so happy um my in-laws were there with us and you know i lay on the table everything's fine and the the ultrasound begins and i was just uh overcome with this extremely loud silence in the room. And was wondering, is this what it's like? Like, just really awkward and the, you know, the technician doesn't say anything. And uh, she finally kind of looks at me and says, uh, yeah, you need to call your OBGYN immediately and try to get in immediately. If they can't get you in, you need to go to the ER because your baby's heartbeat is dramatically low. And she points to the heartbeat on the screen and you can see the little heartbeat just barely pumping. And she says, you know, she's like, you know, babies are supposed to have a heartbeat that's so fast that you can barely even see it pumping and Here you can, you know, see the pumping and see that it's just really, really slow. Um, And in that moment, I just, uh, my heart's completely shattered in terms of um, thinking, you know, what do I do? Is my baby going to live? Is my baby not going to live? Uh, You know what? what am I going to do? How can I protect my baby? And immediately, you know, just wanting to uh, go into tears, but also not wanting to make a, a scene at the technician place, at the ultrasound place. And so I just kind of hold myself together and, uh, on the way out some of the other employees there you know obviously not knowing what was happening just congratulate me and I just kind of um say thank you and just carry on and the second we get to the car I just completely break down and so we call our OBGYN and while they're getting that figured out and you know I think they called in a a doctor because they were just so full and we explained to them this or my husband at least explains them the situation because I couldn't even talk um I just remember holding my belly and just wishing that there was more I could do hoping that everything is gonna be okay but at the same time immediately blaming myself that I had done something wrong you know had I been eating? Should I have been eating healthier? Should I have not drank my one cup of coffee a day? You know, instantly that um, that feeling of wanting to blame yourself. Um, so we were finally able to get into the the OBGYN where they were going to do a, a vaginal ultrasound where they would be able to get more of a, a detailed um, view of the baby. And uh, at this point, there's the The technician and the doctor, and again, just confirm that the heartbeat is very, very low. I think it was at about 60 beats per minute, when it should have been a lot higher, more than double of that. And um, not only that, but the doctor also showed us that there were uh, chromosomal um, issues with the baby, as in the... The brain and the lungs weren't developing properly there were these these spaces inside of them that were not supposed to be there and so basically kind of gives us in the gentlest way possible the reality that this will probably be what is called a missed miscarriage and i can go into that here in a second um Just because not only is the heartbeat really low, but the baby also is not developing properly. So the chances of both things miraculously changing in the next week or so were just very, very slim. Even if it was just the heartbeat um, having issues. Even then, the chances were still slim. He, you know, he kind of told us chances are within the next week, baby's heartbeat will stop, and baby will pass away. And so, having to brace ourselves for that. And he says, you know, let's get you scheduled in for a week from now, where we can see um, baby's condition, and um, and kind of go from there so that next week was just complete and total torture where I would just uh, get my I became obsessed with my Doppler where I just wanted to check the heartbeat to see if it was a little faster. And, you know, my mind would almost play games with me where I was like, oh, you know, the heartbeats picking up, you know, everything's going to be okay." And even turning to things that I had not turned to in a really long time, I do not follow any religion and so I I am spiritual, but in, in my own way, I believe in positive energy and negative energy and karma, you know, and just kind of that's, that's kind of my version of spirituality. And so even though I do not follow any sort of religion, I went out of my way and asked some really amazing religious people in my life or even people that I hadn't talked to in years, but I knew were very devoted to their faith and reaching out to them and asking, you know, can this is the situation. Are you able to, you know, pray for, for me and my baby and, um, just like I said, you're trying to bring that positive energy as much as I can. Even doing something that I hadn't done since I was a kid. Anyone who is Mexican or Catholic will know what I'm talking about. Those candles that they sell at the store that have, like, the um, Virgen de Guadalupe or some of the saints and stuff. And each saint is for, like, a different thing. And I went and tr- researched which one was the saint of healing and miracles. And I think I got the... um the miraculous mary or something like that i don't even remember what it was and you know would just light it every day and you know just put my full faith in that this positive energy and this would possibly help heal my baby you know just turning to anything that could possibly help um just anything at all, because at that point your hands are tied. You can't do anything. It's fully up to getting a miracle or not. Really as as simple as that. Um, and so just waiting for a week and eventually my husband kind of told me like, you know, you need a stop with that Doppler because it was getting to the point like I said where it was an obsession where I was checking constantly to see if the heartbeat was faster or slower and then started playing mind games with you and you get your hopes up and so um he's like you know we we should probably put that away somewhere where you don't have access to it and I even said you know yeah you're you're right because I was going out out of my way to check it multiple times a day and that just wasn't healthy for me um and so, so he did take away the Doppler and gave it to my mother-in-law so it wasn't even in the house. And I didn't even know where it was or who had it or anything. So it was just, you know, the best, the best thing for me. And, uh, I think it's, it's so hard, especially that week where you don't know what's going to happen because you're constantly checking to see if you're, there's any bleeding, which I did not have. Um, or if you just feel any other sh- sort of symptoms, I still felt very much pregnant and I was still watching my diet and what I drink and, you know, um, going on walks, all that stuff that I had to do. So you still have to act pregnant, even though you might not be anymore. Um, and so I can go into what's, what is a missed miscarriage. I think a lot of people don't know what that is. I didn't know what that was until I went through it. So a missed miscarriage is when, um, your baby, passes away, you know, in, in the womb, but you don't get any sort of bleeding or, you know, discharge, anything like that, or there's no obvious signs. I think that's something that a lot of people watch out for. You know, if there's bleeding, there's obviously that, that obvious, um, sign that something is wrong that you've either miscarriage or something you have miscarried or there's something wrong with the baby but in mis- miscarriages your body basically doesn't know that you've miscarried and so the baby is still there but it's just not developing anymore like I've seen a lot on the miscarriage support groups that I'm on where a baby stops developing at six weeks but they don't even find out that they've miscarried until their next OBGYN appointment, which is weeks later, and, you know, the body still has not started the miscarriage process where you bleed and, you know, the, the baby comes out. You know, your body doesn't even know that. So some people might have uh, experienced a miscarriage and might not even know it for, for weeks on end, usually until they go to an appointment and they don't detect a, a heartbeat or the, the baby has just stopped developing. Um, And again, I didn't even know this was a thing until I went through it. So, you know, a week passes, we go into our appointment. And I was kind of in that mindset of preparing for the worst, but also expecting the best. Uh, I had been a a horrible mess the week leading up to this. And so I was just kind of like, uh, you know, I had definitely given myself space to just cry and be frustrated and be sad and everything so leading up to this moment i was not i i i knew i wasn't going to completely have a meltdown in the doctor's office like i had last time because i had kind of in, in as best as i could come to terms with the worst possible scenario which was that my my baby had possibly already passed away by this point point. and so you know we go in and uh We do another vaginal ultrasound, and sure enough, uh, my baby had stopped developing a couple of days before that, and there was no longer a heartbeat. So, at this point, my my baby had had passed away, as had been uh, predicted. And in that moment, I'm just immediately like, okay, well, I just want to start with my healing process and the first thing to start with my healing process is to get my body back to to normal getting my body back to where it should be I some people wait until your body naturally starts the miscarriage process I did not want to do that I felt like that would be complete and total torture just not knowing when it would even start or Um, just knowing that you're carrying around basically your dead baby inside of you. And I wanted nothing, nothing to do with that. Um, some of the other options that we had, you know, that is one where you wait for your body to naturally start the miscarriage process. Um, the second option is, was called a DNC where you go into a hospital and they basically surgically remove the baby and everything that, um, you know, everything that's inside of you to make sure nothing gets left behind. Um, And the third option, which is the option that I went with, is where you insert some pills vaginally and within a couple of hours, um, your body starts the miscarriage process and you can do this at home. And so I had researched these options beforehand. So in that moment, I would have a better understanding of what to do. And my initial response was to do a DNC because, you know, you can just go get it done, get out, and you know nothing got left behind. You know, you you won't have any infections, things like that. Um, But the thing that really deterred me from doing that is one, I hate going to doctors and hospitals and things like that. So I did not want to go through that process. To me, that just seemed really intimidating. I've never really had a good experience going to the doctor or hospitals. Um, And second of all, I didn't even know if my insurance would cover it. So I did not want to get stuck with another hospital bill that would indebt me for years. And I've seen this happen to so many other women where they get knocked in in the face with a $7,000 DNC bill when they're grieving their baby. And I did not want to have anything to do with that. Um, and like I said, I did not want to do that natural process because to me that would just be torture. And so the next best thing was, um, where I insert the pills at home and kind of at my own convenience where I would just kind of do it on, on a weekend or, you know, when I, was mentally ready to start that and also be do it in the comfort of my own home. Um, obviously with that too, there was also that fear of what if some tissue gets left behind or, you know, I was also just scared of what that would look like to miscarry at home alone. Um, not alone because my husband would actually, would obviously be there, but you know, having to see that and I just wasn't sure how that, that would take a toll on me mentally and it was definitely harder than I expected it to be. Um, I just wanted to get this process over with. So I went ahead and went against the doctor's advice and did it that night, even though I had work the next day. Um, and so I just insert the pills vaginally. And sure enough, within a couple of hours, I get these horrible, horrible, horrible cramps, which I did not know feel like contractions, uh, just this awful 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 pain um and having to go to the bathroom constantly because there was just so much blood coming out and you know you don't really know what to expect nobody talks about this the process of miscarrying so if you're not comfortable with that you're kind of finicky with tissue and blood and all of that I would recommend you skip this part but um if you are just okay with that or you know if you want to know what to expect if that were to happen to you this is a, 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 a space where I will talk about that because I felt like I had no idea what to expect and that was really scary but you know, people t- said it was like p- period cramps. Those were definitely not period cramps. Those were full on contractions because your, you know, your ovaries are trying to get everything out. And so they literally, they are contractions and I was just bleeding, bleeding. And I didn't know, you know, how are you supposed to know when the baby has come out or the tissue has come out? Like, how do you know that? And so, I was just in this enormous amount of pain to the point where I could not move. Like I was like in my recliner just crying be- and screaming because I was in so much pain. And my poor husband just had no idea what to do. And at one point, I was like, you know, I just want to go to bed. So I finally have enough strength to, to go upstairs to our bedroom. And as I lay down and I'm just kind of laying there, I feel like my water break and a bunch of stuff come out and I'm like immediately like, okay, I need to go to the bathroom to change my pad. And as I go to the toilet, I, I look at my pad and I instantly know, oh, that's, that's my baby. That's, that's the tissue that's holding the baby. I could tell it was just this, um, what looked like a sack And the sack on the outside was just very, like, uh, very strong. It was really hard to even break it open. And as you break it open, there is your baby. And at this point, it doesn't really even look like a baby for some people, I think when they're further along, keep in mind at this point, I was nine weeks. Um, When they're further along, I think you can kind of see like the hands and, you know, the feet and all of that. But at this point to me, I I couldn't see any of that. But I knew that that was the baby. It was enough to the point where I knew that's that's that that was the baby. That was my my baby Poppy as we we nicknamed her. Um, Yeah. And we did find out that she she was a girl because we had done that DNA testing the blood testing at the ultrasound and we had still gotten the results um so we had found out that that Poppy was was a girl not 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 at this point but eventually down the line we did find that out um and at this point I didn't know what to do so I just kind of at at that moment you're in so much physical pain that you're not even it's not emotionally hitting you at least not not me in my experience I wasn't like sad. I I was sad to see that, but not at the point where I had a, a, a meltdown like I did later on. I was just kind of like, you know, I want this physical process to be over with. I want my body to refresh itself, you know, per se, just kind of reload and go back to normal. And so that way I can start healing mentally and emotionally. And so I, what my immediate reaction is, I just fold up the the tissue, and I put it in the trash. And I wish I hadn't done that at the time. Now looking back at it, but in the moment I was like, you know, my just, it's just, it's tissue. What else am I gonna do with it, basically? Um, and I did bleed for a couple of weeks, um, not a lot. After the baby came out, the bleeding definitely went down a lot. And there was some tissue that still came out, but not a lot. That the sac was really the the big part. Um, that, that happened. And so after all this physical stuff had happened, came the really hard part. I think the contractions and all of that, and that was definitely really painful, but the psychological aspect of miscarriage is definitely the really, really, really hard thing where I think unless you've gone through it, you don't really fully understand how heartbreaking it is where little things just kind of break you for instance i was just so into the mindset of um touching my belly and rubbing it and then i would rub it and then be like oh you know the you know poppy's not there anymore um or um in my personal situation i had to even deactivate social media because i felt like everybody and their mothers were having babies, where every time I went on Facebook or Instagram, somebody else was pregnant, somebody else was doing a gender reveal, somebody else was showing pictures of their new baby, somebody else had their baby shower, and it was the worst torture ever, and you really feel like you are literally the only person Going through a miscarriage, and everybody else is having their perfectly healthy babies um, and this kind of was even worse for my husband and I because um, like I said earlier, on both sides of the family, they're expecting babies at this point, and so it's so hard, for instance, to see you know their bellies growing their due date's coming up, baby talk obviously happens, and this is nobody's fault, not their fault at all. That's completely normal and natural, and it wasn't their fault that we miscarried, but it definitely was a reminder of, you know, they're having their babies and, and we're not, and so immediately my reaction especially as somebody who suffers from anxiety and depression, and my anxiety and depression were at a sky high that had not been this high since my suicide attempt a couple of years ago, my instant reaction is isolation. Goodbye Facebook, goodbye Instagram, goodbye Snapchat, completely uh, removed all of my socials and also had no social life. I completely did not want to talk to anyone, did not want to be reminded that babies even exist, you know, just, you, you go into this mindset of where any sight of a baby or any talk of baby is a huge, huge trigger and just completely breaks you apart. Um, and I just, I think the first couple of days after a miscarriage, Everybody is kind of on board that this is really hard, very difficult, and give you your space. Um, but I think after some time, you at least I felt like there was this pressure to move on, um, because especially with both babies coming on both sides of the family, the family kind of wants to go back to celebrating that this baby is coming, that this baby is now born, that, you know, all, all these things. And you're still, when I say you're, I mean me, I'm still in this this point where I am completely broken and heartbroken and devastated. And any sight of baby or talk of baby, I have a total meltdown and I feel like total crap. Um, But everyone else is doing it. So it's like kind of like, come on, you know, get up to speed. Because the rest of us are kind of ready to go back to normal. And I'm not saying this is how everybody felt. I'm saying this is how I felt at the time. So I was just in this place where I felt like I had to move on. Because everybody else had. And this awful realization of... You feel like your entire world has stopped and turned upside down. But the world has kept turning. Everyone continues with their life. And I felt like I had to as well. You know, I had to go back to work. I have to work. I have a job to do. I have pets to take care of. I still have to get up in the morning and continue with my normal routine. I'm at that age where everyone is... Having babies seems like everyone is either having babies or getting married or both. And people are going to keep posting about their babies. And that's just the way that it is. And it was extremely hard for me. I would try to go back on social media and then boom, picture of a pregnancy announcement. And it just would completely tear me apart and I would go off social media again. One particular weekend, I was just having a really, really, really hard time. Really, really, it just, you know, it just comes and goes. But when it would come, it would hit you hard. Um, And my mom was in town to kind of provide some support with the miscarriage. And we had gone out to IHOP to eat breakfast, right? And the second we sat down, there's this little girl in front of me. At a table in front of me and she's just looking at me and smiling and just kind of you know being a cute little girl and i just look at that little girl and i'm like oh i wonder if that's what you know what poppy would have looked like i wonder if poppy would have looked at me that way if what poppy would have looked like if she would have had dark hair like me or light hair like her dad or uh, my brown eyes or his colored eyes and Immediately, I just don't feel okay. I just want to go home. But at the same time, you know, wanting to stay strong for the family and just, you know, you're you're in that point where you try to move on and to continue as best as you can. And so I, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to distract myself and, you know, carrying on. And my little three-year-old nephew was there with us as well you know my whole family was there and he had known that I was going to have a baby and his mom was also going to have a baby and so he just kind of looks at me randomly and just smiles and says you know my my mommy and my my auntie which is what he calls me um, have babies in their bellies and the second he says that I just Completely, completely break down. And again, these situations that hurt the most are nobody's fault because he's, you know, he's just a little three year old boy. Or in his head, you know, his aunt was going to have a baby and his mom were going to have a baby, and that's so cool. And they both have babies in their bellies, and, you know, he doesn't know what the hell a miscarriage is, you know, duh. And, um, how do you even approach that conversation with a child that, you know, the baby is just no longer there? And so obviously things like this just happen. And, um, I wasn't mad at anybody, but just very sad in terms of there are all of these little reminders that again, that, you know, your baby's gone. And, you know, sure enough that I believe it was that same week, one of the babies was born and again, just totally that feeling of everybody else has moved on. Everyone else is celebrating this new baby. Um, but you're still left in this this dark corner where you're still mourning yours. And it almost feels like everybody else has uh, forgotten because these new babies are, are here now and yours is gone. But, you know. There are still these these new babies to be celebrated, and again, nobody's fault every every single right to celebrate this brand new baby, of course a hundred percent, but as the person who was still recovering from that it's it's so hard to be part of that celebration when it brings you tremendous, tremendous, tremendous pain. And so that week was extremely, extremely hard. And again, I would try to go back on social media, pictures, posts, shut down again. Uh, I think that's the, one of the hardest parts of a miscarriage is getting back to life. Because I don't think I quote unquote got back to being who I was until just a couple of weeks ago where I found myself drinking to cope. And that was a huge red flag for me where I was like, you know, I'm sad. I want to drink. I want to get buzzed to kind of take the pain off a little bit. Um, At one point, even um, my husband and I went out with two of our best friends. We went out drinking. This had been the first time that I had really been drunk since this whole situation had happened. And I had the biggest meltdown of my life where I was just so angry at the world of I have gone through so much crap already and here you are throwing me one more piece of crap my way. It really starts to feel like the world is just out to get you where you see some people who should not be parents, you know, and neglect their kids But yet they have these super healthy babies and have never miscarried. You know, you start to see the world that way. Again, I'm trying to explain the situation from the way that I was viewing it at the time. And I was pissed, pissed at the world. Because how dare you do this to me when I was going to love this baby with all of my heart? And you took this from me. You have broken me one more time. You know, what, what more do you want from me? I was pissed at any God that could have existed. At the world. At karma. At people. At, at everything, really. I was pissed in this enormous way that I had never been pissed before. And in that moment, I just screamed and I threw things and I just collapsed on the floor and I shouted and I just wanted my baby. And um, at this point, I had already gotten Poppy's remains, you know, out of our trash can and then put it in this pretty little box and had buried it in our garden in our backyard. And I just remember telling my husband, I just want to go outside and lay with my baby because my baby's cold out there and I just want to be with my baby. Uh, And those are just some scenarios, extremely, extremely hard scenarios that nobody talks about with miscarriage. People don't even talk about miscarriage to begin with. They definitely don't talk about how you don't just get over it, how you don't just move on, how it's not just a week, just a month, and you're ready to get back to life as usual. No, because while you may not have lost a baby, a live baby, it was still yours. It doesn't matter if it was a couple hours old or a couple of days or 30 weeks or a brand new baby or nine weeks. It doesn't matter. It was still yours. And you already had envisioned what they were going to be like. You'd already bought them their crib. You already had their name picked out. It's extremely, extremely, extremely hard. Hard, And there's not even grievance for this at work. If you're not lucky enough to have some sick time or vacation time, you're just expected to get back to life as usual. I don't think anyone really understands how hard this is until you've gone through it yourself. This was something that completely turned my life upside down and I did not know who I was anymore. my life had turned upside down when I found out about this pregnancy, and it had turned upside down again when I found out my baby had passed and Nobody tells you how to recover from it. Everyone expects you to move along, and that 's definitely the hardest part in my opinion and miscarriage is very taboo. In both cultures, definitely, but I think more so in the Latinx culture because I was very open about my miscarriage. I had announced my pregnancy on social media and I had announced my miscarriage on social media, which I had never seen a miscarriage post before. And obviously you get this outpour of support, but also it's almost like you're the guinea pig because nobody else has openly gone through it. I know for a fact other people have gone through fertility struggles or through miscarriages in my family because it happens to one in four women, but I was the first one to openly talk about it. And so immediately being that guinea pig of, well, what went wrong? You know, is it your antidepressants that caused the miscarriage? were you not eating good enough, were you not drinking your tea, were you not doing this, were you not doing that? Did you not pray hard enough? Like, oh my god. Awful. Awful, awful. Uh I think a huge learning experience that this was for me is and this is something that if you learn nothing from this episode about miscarriage, this is the one piece of advice you, sh- you should take away from my experience. If you don't know what to say, this is what you should say. I'm sorry that you're going through this. If you need anything, I'm here for you. I love you and I support you. That's it. You don't have to ask this person questions. You don't have to push them with resources that helped you know resources that you think might be helpful but you're just overwhelming the person or invading their space when they just need some some time Um, this is not a time to bond with somebody that you have not gone along with because this person is extremely vulnerable and it is not a time to bond over something traumatic it is not a time to give advice it is nothing put all of that aside All you have to say. I love you. I support you. I'm sorry you're going through this. If there's any way I can help, please let me know. Because then it puts the ball in their court. And trust me, if they need you. Or if they just want to rant to you. Or if they just want to do something to get their mind off of the miscarriage, they will. That's all that you need. I had some people reach out to me that I had not spoken to in years, you know, just people that I didn't even know, just acquaintances that I had been in a classroom with or things like that, where they had secretly gone through a miscarriage and reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I know we're not close. You know, I know we were never really friends, but I went through a miscarriage and yeah, it's, it sucks. And I'm really sorry. And I know what it feels like. But just know that things will will be okay eventually. You will be okay eventually. And if you need anything, I'm here for you. And I really hope that someday you get your rainbow baby because now I have mine. And those messages are the ones that meant the world to me too where I got this outpour from people that I haven't even talked to in years. And they said, you know, I've been there. It's awful. It's awful. You know, if if you need anything, I'm here for you. If you need any sort of resources, I'm here for you. If you just want to talk about it, I'm here for you. And it, it really showed me that I, I was not the only person that I had gone through this. It was just a lot of people go through it in silence. And I can't imagine going through it in silence because even just... Going through it in a more vocal way was extremely hard. I can only imagine going through all of this without people knowing what was happening to me. So like I said, if there's anything you're gonna take away from this, it's that. Um, especially with the the aspect of mental illness adding to this, where I like I said, I, I already suffer from anxiety and depression and this just elevated it to a ten or to a hundred worst that were the worst that had been since my suicide attempt from a couple of years ago and if you add in that taboo you know kind of tying this back to the latinx community where therapy is just for crazy people you don't need medicine to treat anxiety and depression you can just take this herbal life thing and you'll be fine you know no this is not the time to say things like that. This is not the time to say to, to to get off my antidepressants. This is not the time to throw all of that. And it's really a time to to normalize and know that we can't treat mental illnesses like you can just cure them by going to church, by taking this miraculous tea, by, you know, whatever the hell else people truly believe in. We need to treat this just like we treat any other disease. If you have a broken foot and a broken bone, you don't say drink this special tea or go to church and everything will be fixed. You say go to the doctor. Get it looked at. Get treatment. Mental illness is the same exact thing. If not worse, because it really depends on person to person. So therapy is your medicine. Your antidepressants are literally your medicine. And it it should not be something that is looked down upon, but something that's just normal. You don't judge somebody for going to the doctor when they break their, their leg. That's a kind of a duh. So when somebody goes to therapy and takes antidepressants for their mental illnesses, that should also be a duh. the time when I realized that I really needed to focus more on my mental illness and my self-care was one day when I think it was like a Monday night. I know it was during the weekend. I was, or maybe it was a Sunday. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I was just sitting there on my couch by myself and, and drinking and sobbing and just being very much in a slump and I had been in the slump for over a month now if not a little bit longer. And that same night I found a bunch of old videos of when I was a little kid and when I was like a 15 year old, so freshman year of high school. And I was thinking about all the things that I was going through at the time when those videos were being filmed and How it kept me going at the time was thinking, you know, someday things will get better and I will have the life that I deserve. And I was just kind of, it was a moment of big reflection for me where I was like, you know, would 15 year old me be happy with seeing how I am right now, sitting on on my couch, self-medicating with alcohol and completely isolated from the world And in that moment, I just kind of talked to my husband and I had like one, another big meltdown. And I just kind of say, you know what, this, this isn't me. This isn't who I want to be. I don't want to get stuck in the slump. And I want to go back to being who I was. I want to go back to doing the things I enjoyed, doing the things I was planning on doing, and really fully going back to who I was. And so I said, you know, I need to get my my podcast up and running again. I need to start going back to individual therapy, which is something I should have done a long time ago. I need to, you know, go back to the things I was thinking about doing. For instance, I need to get started on my master's degree application. I just need to go back to doing things I enjoy instead of being in this slump of self-medication and just depression and isolation and since then I'm not saying I'm a hundred percent better from what I've heard from other people who have gone through miscarriages you never really are you always think about the what ifs especially with anniversaries and things that just kind of remind you of it and it still hurts Um, and for instance just a couple of days ago I was looking for something and then I came across this little bandana that I had gotten for my dog that said, you know, baby Davis guard dog duty starting October 2021. And you know, that hit me and it made me cry and you know, the, knowing that those moments will still happen, but overall, I am back on my road to being who who I was and who I know I should be and um but also definitely giving myself that time to grieve and to know that people will have their opinions on what grieving looks like. But I am on my own journey and some days I might just not want to be around people and there are some days where I do. And I am really happy to share the news that I have been accepted into a master's program on human rights and i will be starting that in the end of august that has been a huge accomplishment for me finally getting into the point where i could focus on that application and obviously the great news of getting accepted and like i said one day at a time getting to the point where i don't get over the grief grieving process but i learn how to how to live with it so Uh, thank you for tuning in. I know this is a very difficult podcast to listen to. It was definitely a really hard one for me to film. And so once again, thank you so much. If there's anybody who is suffering in silence, my heart goes out to you because I can only imagine how much that hurts. And if you're not suffering in silence and suffering out loud, just like, like I was and I am I just want to say my heart goes out to you as well. If there's anything I can ever do for you, there is a a client podcast. It is The Client Podcasting, so as in podcast, and then ing ing at gmail.com, and I am only one email away. All right, thank you guys, and I hope you have a beautiful week.